Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World podcast. A podcast where we speak to unique and fascinating people who will provide the insights that help people like you and me make what we love a full-time job. To me, there ain't nothing better. I think if you do that in life, you've already won. Doesn't matter what anyone says, you've achieved that. This podcast as a whole, if you like it, please leave a review on iTunes and give us some support. Share it to your friends if you've seen lessons in the podcast that have really impacted you. If you don't like it, share it with your enemies and make sure to pinpoint the bit that, that will annoy them the most. Also, I just want to say as a whole, this episode was without a doubt one of the best episodes I've ever had on the podcast. Wahomi Gatonga is a life coach and a person who has gone from struggles to get to where he was where he is now. So it was great. He he, revealed, he was very forthright. He talked about his struggles in his adolescent years, how he was bullied, and how he used that to motivate himself to change his life, to become confident. He talked about that transformation he was witnessing. And then it got him into thinking he wanted to share that lesson with other people. He decided, that is my job. I want to help people better themselves. He also spoke about affirmations, like changing your own sort of body language and mindset every day. He, he also... One of those key things he spoke about were how he is awesome. No, it was a great podcast. There's a lot in there. And without further ado, let's speak to Wahome. I must say that's a what what's going on there? Like you're going on a romantic date with someone using those roses. <laughs> I used my background when I did my videos. Ah, cool. It's a nice little background. It's great, yes, yeah, it's great for the videos, isn't it? Nice white and plain sort of Yeah, that's the perfect sound. for that. Yeah, just use a background something. So you can then make it nicer in the background. Been what's it called? Been a couple of weeks since we last spoke. Has anything intriguing happened? Uh, intriguing. My lab's been working really, coaching, doing my workshops. Um, otherwise, yeah, not nothing really. Nothing major for me, to be honest. It's been busy working. What about yourself? Uh, same sort of thing. It's, I was actually, it was an interesting day today because I, I was gonna do three podcasts today but i they we all rescheduled for later on <laughs> within an hour of each other and all right yeah no it, it's since i sent you that calendly thing i've got like bloody 40 of them booked in and then yeah just been working a podcast working online tiktok um working on my shows and yeah that's that's my whole life at the moment <laughs> I think I've been lucky because of yeah because of because my work as a coach, like COVID has actually not really affected me in that way because I was already doing I was already doing most of my stuff online in the first place, so um, and because of so many people working just sat at home, 
that's made more easier because everyone's going online. So yeah, I thought that. So just putting yourself out there online, doing videos, offering free things of value, um, then it made it yeah just much more easier to actually get new clients because people just really a lot of people are struggling with work from home or they are struggling to stay motivated, have confidence, have that accountability. Um, especially if you live in your own, you have your own place, it can be quite lonely if you can't then oh, yeah. go and hang out to your friends or your family. So you've looked online to keep yourself preoccupied and motivated. So for me, that's actually, you know, been a bonus, the fact that um, I was really doing everything online. So just it's just kept me busy like throughout this lockdown. So for me, just mostly, I've just been creating new products um, and then redefining my webinars, um, which I've been doing now every Thursday, um, and just trying to make those much more better um, to help more people. So that's basically what I've been doing, really. Well, I mean, just just. I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast and like you've already said a lot there and it sounds like you've had quite a journey to get to being a life coach as a whole and like tell us about it and yeah it has been I mean well because I'd say if I was to go deeper like like um I had like a I had a good I came from a good family in terms of like um having everything I wanted um a good loving family but I think for me my issue was um, I was severely bullied at school. So um, that kind of had a, like a massive knocking effect on me in terms of um, my confidence levels. So, and obviously one thing, like I never really told my parents about the bullying um, until it was late. And also because of the bullying, I would get in a lot of trouble at school. Um, and as a way to cope with all of that was, you know, I, got kind of addicted onto like um, eating food, junk food and stuff, which I used to hide from my parents as well. I used my pocket money to buy Snickers and all this kind of stuff. So I ballooned a lot of weight. Um, so that also then it gave the bullies more ammunition. So like, yeah, it was, it was, it was very like hard up until, probably until maybe like my tw late twenties, early twenties when I went to university, like, um, I had no, for example, I had no connection with women as well, like um, because of my lack of confidence in the bullying, I just had no direct, um, I couldn't talk to women or how to connect with them, except for my sisters and stuff. And I had like a few female friends, um, but I just had no way or so, like I had non-existent dating life up until the age of 20, 21. Um, and so I think it was then when I just really, really find myself and I was thinking like, um, I was in my second year of university, I was thinking, you know, like there's something more, there's got to more to life than this, you know, like, because even, even though I had a good freshers year, like I was like, okay, I didn't really connect with that many women still. And I felt I was still lacking confidence. Um, and so like, I really find myself and I thought, well, look, I'm going to just educate myself on this as much as possible to find out, you know, how can I go about improving myself? So. I hit the gym. I got myself in really good physique, going to the gym like five times a week. I was reading lots of books. I was a massive Tony Robbins fan. So I was hooked on all of his things about motivation, about mindset. Um, and I knew then that 
you know that this is a long it's gonna be a long journey um and then but i knew as well I, that's where i got the, the the you know when i saw the changes in myself and people noticed those i realized then that's what i wanted to do like coaching um and so when i finished university i got into I was, my, actual, my actual degree at university was business management so that's why i went down the road of that but then on the same side i was thinking like i still want to be a coach uh and so i got into like the world of personal development when i finished university um originally just i first started off like doing um uh like meditations so i was very much into bikram yoga um and helping out with that so i helped out a friend of mine who was a coach who was, who was a ricky master um and and then from then i got into nlp and then also became like a master patient nlp then learned about um cognitive behavior therapy um training in that um and then for me so it was, it was a massive journey like and it still is a big journey like in terms of like ensuring that i'm regularly developing myself and learning um but you know like the reason why i think what really helped me was the fact that I can resonate with people. I know what it's like to feel alienated, powerless, bullied, low confidence, struggle with low income, um, have body weight or body image issues. Um, you know, so, or even like understanding on the dating side, I know it's like to go for long periods where you have no connection with anyone. Um, and then you finally are able to overcome that. Um, so even, even like in that world, like I got into pickup, so there was a there was a good three years where I became like a pickup coach. Where I was teaching men on how to meet women and talk to women um, in everyday life, whether it's on the street, in a cafe. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I got, that's one thing I did. Like when I finished university, the second year, I came across <laughs> this article because I was thinking like, how do I meet more women? Um, I didn't know exactly. I wasn't confident enough to go and talk to the street, but I came across this. Um, I don't know if you know Eventbrite or you know, Meetup. So I came across this guy who had a post meet event with meetups, like how to meet women in any situations and be more confident. So I went to his uh, a meetup event at, at the embankment Waterloo Pier, um, and he was just having like a group of men just stood outside outside there, um, and then he's like, "Yeah, so we're talking about we're talking about how to meet women, um, how to be more confident." And he, he went through all the different archetypes of different men. There is like the nice guy. Um, the Joker. They said, "Who? Which one do you identify with?" Um, said, "Look, oh, have you? You've, you also been trained a lot of stuff. It's completely true that you know that women never chase men. Um, that you know um, that you have to be a certain way or, or look a certain way, act a certain way to get women. That's not true. So it doesn't matter what you look like. It's all about your confidence and how much you, that you bring out into the conversation and actually being able to relate to women." Um, and so I did, I got, in, I really deep dived into that and got into that um, religiously and I was going out every day, chatting to 20 or 30 women a day, um, improve myself in situations like whether it's on YouTube, everywhere. And I got really good at it and I made some good friends from there. And then I thought, well, I want to coach men on this. Um, and there was a point where I thought, I want to be, should I just be a, men, a men's dating coach? Um, but then I thought, nah, I want to work with women too. And I don't want to just focus on data, I want to focus on actually the core principles, which I really that's affected everyone. Um, because even like along that way, I, I came across like um, a guy called Matthew Hussey, who I became friends with. And oh. He, yeah, and he basically teaches, teaches women how to pick up men, and how to date men. And so I realized 
when I was talking to him, I realised there was um, both sides had the issue. Both sides were lack, lacking confidence. And I, then I did a lot more research into understanding confidence. And I found that, you know, you know, some interesting statistics like um, that, you know, maybe 35% of us who suffer like a childhood trauma or a parent like a bullying or a parent's divorce will experience some kind of mental health um, issue later in life, even at the age of 60. And that could affect us in terms of our ability to earn more money, relationships, um, our well-being, our health. And I found out like, all this interesting stuff about it. And, you know, even like 75% uh, of us are blind to our own limiting beliefs. Um, so, and that's kind of like really drove my um, uh, kind of like drive to figure out, well, wow, like we're suffering with all these kind of limited beliefs and lack of confidence and it's affecting everyone. And you can have, and confidence is different. So you can act confidently, like we can be talking confidently now in this conversation, but it doesn't mean you're confident. Because if I put you in a different situation and say, okay, go talk to that stranger and you struggle because you don't know what to say to that person, you're not confident in that situation. So I've moved up more around self-esteem and see like, how do we feel about ourselves and, you know, what goes on in our mindset. And that's where, like, I kind of just function my coaching around, like helping people to um, remove limiting beliefs, get over block traumas, uh, work on their mindset and prove that. Um, how to be more confident in my actions um, and then how to you know communicate in an effective way that uh, people can relate to what you're saying and then also looking at you know how you can then um, when it comes to I think relationship capital is one of the most important fundamental things in life whether that's in business or in your personal life so I looked at how you can go about um, being able to be more effective and building your community in relationships so you know, I realized, so I did this practice called orgasm meditation. I did this for like six years. And it basically looks at principles of feminine masculinity um, and how they basically oh. um, intertwine and how they actually need themselves and how we both have masculine and feminine. Every, every person with a man will both have masculine and feminine traits in us. But sometimes you might find that maybe if you come across a man, he might have more feminine traits than masculine. And same thing with women, you might find a some women who are more masculine than they are feminine and basically understanding those dynamics how they play out in us and then realizing for example which i think which i found was a truth that you know for so as a man if i treat if i don't trust my feminine then i normally don't trust women so however i treat my feminine is how i normally treat women and the same for women however they treat their masculine is normally how they treat men so i then looked at how to understand that to work around relationships to feel like well you know, I realise there's a lot of people who, when they're in relationships, whether it's friendships or romantic or business, they find it hard to say what they want. They find it hard to receive a no or a yes, because they always make it mean that means something about them. They find it hard to, you know, express their desires, set boundaries, um, stick to the boundaries. Um, they find it hard to really uh, have the empathy for other people and actually feel people. So, you know, and I, and I say an example like, I think there's a classic example a lot of people have is they might go into work tomorrow and they ask their, their colleague, how are you? And the colleague says, I'm fine. And then they just leave it as that. But actually, they actually feel into that fine and actually look at, you know, the body language of the person, the tonality of, their, of them being saying I'm fine. Because actually when people say I'm fine, then actually there's something more underneath that. And that's why I looked at, you know, understanding well, how we can 
yeah. really be able yeah. to read people in that way. So it's been a massive journey and there's still so much more things I'm trying to learn and help people on. And then you yeah. know, most of this past couple of years, I've been mostly working with business owners and professionals to, you know, to really, um, you know, master their confidence to increase their income. Um, but I still do the relationship aspects as well, because I think that still comes into it when I'm talking to people and I'm coaching them. Um, Cause you know, how you are in one area of your life is how you are in, every, in all areas of your life. Um, and so, you know, yeah, for me, even for myself, I'm still developing myself and learning because it's ever, it's like an everlasting journey. It's not you just do coaching and then, or you do a course and then you're fixed for life. You have to continuously learn yeah. to improve yourself. I want to, there's a lot of very interesting things you said there and it's bloody amazing. And I want to say that like, yeah, what you said there is quite important. And I feel that, yeah, one I did a MC workshop with Barry Ferns and Angel and he runs a MC workshop. And I think one of the things that you can take from that and in all aspects of life is that only take little things are, are important. Like it only takes like for you, you went into that little like pickup thing and that's had a big, big impact in who you are today. And if you didn't go to that, maybe something else would have happened or you would be slightly different. It only takes one little thing to change things. And it's like when you go to, when I go and do my gigs in Hammersmith or I'm organizing it, if I get there like an hour and a half early, it makes the gig a lot easier because I get to set everything up. I get to prepare for things that could go wrong. If I'm very prepared in the gig, the gig normally goes quite well because you're relaxed. But if you go in, what's it called? maybe half an hour earlier and you can't sort of prepare as much it will it, it doesn't look like much but when you're actually in the stage and you're performing you're hosting it it will have a big effect on how you perform or like when you when your head is in a funny place before you go on stage it doesn't look like much but if you pay attention to that it's going to have a massive result from you either doing well or doing badly yeah i agree with that because i remember like there was during a period where i did stand-up comedy for like two to three years ah. um I did like, because I, I signed up for, there was a guy called Bent, Bentley Browning who was doing a, a course called the Comedy Novice. And I just basically taught you like five weeks of comedy and they gave you a show. Um, and then I did that for like open mic circuit, you know, places like Freedom Fridge, um, Angel Comedy. So I was doing it all those kind of places, the comedy store. Um, I did it for like two to three years. Um, and it, it, I think for me, the reason why I did the comedy was you know, when I said I signed up for the course, a lot of my friends and family were like, that's not you. You're not the, you're not the funny type. Um, and I wanted to prove to myself that, you know, and I thought that was, it was a big thing like fear um, and mindset to show to myself, look, I can do this. Um, I know that I can go on there. I've got good experiences. I can bring out that confident side in me and, you know, bring out my style on stage and communicate with the audience. Um, and I remember like during the workshops, I was struggling so bad. So I just didn't understand the, the 10 styles of comedy. I didn't understand how to write jokes. And then I had one um, session with Bentley and uh, we ironed out my routine. And then I remember the day of the routine. So there was two classes. So it's normally about 20 students in each class. So we had 40 people like throughout the day going on stage to do the five minute sets. And I was the, I, after being the person who was really nervous, 
I ended up being the, the number one person out, out of the two shows. And there's a there's some kind of um comedy rep in the audience, and he was like, "Oh, I really like your style. I want you to come and do a couple of shows at uh, some of the venues I run." Um, so that kind of like really shook me because, like, in a sense, like I wasn't expecting to do comedy as, as a serious thing. Um, I was doing it just the same sort of um, proving to myself that I could do it. I mean, that's why I don't I don't really do it now anymore. I mean, or, or, I did odd gig here and there, but I don't really. Uh, do much comedy because I don't have the the time now but it was like I think that was a great thing because it showed to me like um, how fear was just an illusion that I created in my head I couldn't do something um, and actually when you break that fear completely different person you know, it does change you so um, and I, I that's why I always say to people now is like figure out um, what it is your fears are or your limited beliefs and then go about breaking them because they're just stories you've told yourself and they have no real truth um so for me um now if i have to do public speaking it doesn't really bother me it doesn't and i know public speaking is probably the number one one of the number one fears that a lot of people have um and so yeah, when you do something like that and you break your fear it doesn't really it shows to you that you know you've put a lot of limitations on yourself um so that was that was in luck also as well a good period um, when I did the comedy. It was a lot of fun. I did enjoy it a lot. Oh, it's a great feeling when you make people laugh. It, it's, that's why people get addicted to it and never stop doing it. And I, one thing I want to say about it as well is I did a bit of research and I, I found out about you and you do, like, you have like a seven-step system, right? Yeah. Like So tell us, break it down, tell us how it works. Oh, like, yeah, so the seven-step system is what I call the alchemy system. And the reason why I created that system was basically based on my own journey. So everything I went through, all the, you know, all the problems I faced, the bullying, the low income, I realized I'd followed a particular step when I was overcoming, helping myself to overcome my challenges to become like the person I am today. And so what I wanted to do was to then share that same process. So the alchemy system is basically seven steps that's built from taking you from your current pain point to, um, could be your current pain point, could be your low self-esteem, low income, or not having a relationship. And it takes you on a journey to then having um, the kind of um, outcome or targets you want. So that could be financial freedom, your own business or relationship. And we go through seven crafted steps. So how it works is the first one is all about clarity. The reason why we go into clarity is because a lot of people, like I said before, like 75% of us are unaware of our own limiting beliefs. Because we have the old, the, a lot of these limited beliefs are uh, deeply submerged in our subconscious mind. And so we have to have clarity to bring them to the surface because we don't know what could be blocking us from having more success. You know, and it could be something, something as simple as you got told by your parents, don't talk to strangers. And that could be still following you into your late 50s. And you think, oh, I can't talk to a stranger. Or you'll go to a networking event because of that same belief you had as a child. So we need to then bring that to the service and unravel it to understand, okay, well, um, what is really holding us back? And um, the second step is once you have that clarity, it's removing blockages. So like I said before, here we look at having a more understanding of all the limited beliefs that we have. Um, and then with those limited beliefs, we then we, we, move, we look to really remove anything that's been blocking you. 
So it could be any limited beliefs, negative thinking, negative habits. It could be also unpacking an experience you had as a child um, that could still be blocking you or, or past relationship. So we look at um, how to understand, okay, well, what it is, when, when did you first have that limited belief and that same feeling? And then look to remove it, unpack it, remove it, so that's no longer affecting you. And then we go into new foundations to step three. A new foundation is all about um, creating a new world for yourself. So you're like a blank chapter. So you've moved all the limited beliefs. Then this is all about creating the next steps for you. So looking at um, how you can create new supporting beliefs. So you had a belief before that was limiting that was, I'm not worthy. We look at how you can re redefine that to I am worthy. Um, so it's all about giving you that new platform. So like I said, your blank book, you're creating the world how you want it to be. Um, and then you, um, yeah, then you move forward in that, um, in that area. And then the next step is new you. So new you is, again, is all about how to um, really help you to, you know, incorporate all those new limited beliefs and new habits. Um, and then looking more further, how we can align our new beliefs, habits to our values and goals for ourselves. So we start really going deeper into um, creating a new pathway for you. Then the five, step five is all about power goals. This is crucial because a lot of people have goals, but they're never really goals that are in line with their values and beliefs. And so what tends to happen is when you do make a goal, when you face that first challenge or hurdle, you end up giving up because it's not really, there's no big why enough. So let's say you want to run your own business. You have to have more reason for just, I want money. Like what's the function of the money? Are you going to, I don't know, like look after your family? Are you going to look after your parents? Do you want that money to, you know, be able to um, buy a house? You know, you want to have a good wife so that when you do face those dark days where you're demotivated or it's not going well, you can then, um have that reason to then um push forward so that's all about like you know creating goals that are based on your values and your beliefs so you have a strong enough why then also links to your subconscious and conscious mind because it combines them to more together and then we create internal value goals which are more personal to us so you know let's say i was wanting to go to the gym and lose weight if i had a reason for say i want to go to the gym and lose weight because I've got my friend's wedding in a year's time. I want to look good in my suit. Um, and I also um, want to be able to um, be able to play with my children because I felt I was really overweight and I couldn't really play with my children. Those are good enough reasons why to make myself um, stay the course. So that's what we look at in, on that stage. And then after that, we then go on to um, empowerment. So empowerment is where you start, we put everything together that you've learned. So everything you learn about how to remove limits and beliefs, create new belief structures, uh, create new habits, supporting habits, creating your power goals, we put that all into practice. And this is where the magic happens because it's all about you going out in the real world and taking action. Because the only way to make a belief stick in our subconscious mind is to then go away and take action. So you're saying, I believe in myself, I can do public speaking and you have to go out and do public speaking to reinforce that belief, to so make it uh, uh, true to your subconscious mind. And that's where we look, we help you to create ah. strategies to take actions. So you can then, because it's in the actions that help you to build confidence. 
And that's where we really help you by giving you strategies. And we also help you look at how to think more strategically. So how to think strategically. So you're looking at the next 12 months and you're actually looking at everything in a, in a manner. So you're looking at what excuses might come up for you, what challenges will come up for you, what resources you can need, um, creating milestones. So we really help you think by thinking more strictly that you actually have a concrete plan to achieve your targets and you actually are going to be able to track your progress and then reach those targets. Because a lot of times what people have is they don't have a clear strategy or plan. They don't track or measure their performance. They don't take action because only 1% of people are actually taking action. Um, and that really stops them. And then the final stage we have is overcoming fears. So we all know that eventually we're doing a challenge or a task, we're going to come across obstacles or blockages. For example, if you're, use the same again, the gym analogy, if you're at the gym, you've been working out for two months, eventually you're going to reach a, a, a blockage where you find you're not working, you're not losing as much weight anymore, or you find that um, you're not putting as much muscle. And that's because your body's got used to that routine. And then we look at, well, how can we then create strategies that help you overcome those obstacles? So, could be changing your routine or um, working out on a different daytime, eating different foods to then allow you to then start making progress again. So here in this stuff is we help you to overcome fears. So we all have fears and these fears all stem from like a limited belief that we have. So it's help, helping you to overcome these fears. Now how we can then, like if you've got a fear of um, asking your boss for promotion, how we can then get you to then start asking for what you want first and then build yourself up to then be able to ask your boss for promotion. So taking it in steps rather than blowing you straight out and say, go and ask your boss for promotion because that might be difficult for some people. Um, so it's all about, yeah, really helping you overcome fears and creating a strategy so that you have strategies when you do face, um, when you do face a blockage, you can then move past that blockage and you can actually learn from it. So also as well, like if you fail, a lot of people fear failure and they see failure as the enemy when failure is not. Failure is just feedback. And we need to fail more because each time we fail, we learn and you actually grow. And then when we grow, you actually increase your chance of boosting your confidence and earning more money. So, you know, I look, I look at it as I say, um, Albert Einstein, he failed like a thousand times before he created the light bulb. So if he just quit the first time, he would never get to where he wanted to be. And now you can't go to a house in the world. So literally living in the desert that doesn't use a light bulb because of Albert Einstein. Um, so it's the same kind of thing here. We're looking at, well, you know, making sure you never give up, making sure that you have strategies to make fast decisions. Um, and so along that process, by the time you do get to, you complete that strategy, you would have cleared everything that's been blocking you. You would have created, you would have cleared your past traumas or limited beliefs. You would have created new sporting beliefs. You would have power goals, you're taking actions, you will have strategies to overcome fears or blockages, and you'll have these, you know, along the way, you'd, you'd also taught you how to create accountability structures um, to then support you. So, you know, these accountability structures are important. So you need to be surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, so, you know, we do stuff where we look at your five closest friends and we actually do a, a, what I call a swap. So we look at the strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats here. And you look at, well, are your five friends really helping you become more successful or they're not? Because sometimes it might be the case, well, you actually have to limit 
amount of times you hang around one certain friend and increase the time you hang around that friend because that friend could be really supportive and ambitious and motivating, but the other friend is really negative. So you want to reduce the time around the negative person. And you also want to surround yourself with people who are, you know, if you want to be a successful comedian, then go and surround yourself with successful comedians. Find out where they hang out, make friends with them, because the more you hang out with them, the more their success is going to rub off on you. But if you hang out with comedians who are who are not being successful, who are really struggling, who've been motivated, then you're just going to be a product of that environment. So that's what we really look at, and we help people to move forward. So, you know, so that seven stages, the Akamai system is what I followed, helped me to become who I am today. And that's why I teach it, because it's had huge effects on myself and, and many other clients. And that's the bedrock of my coaching practices, where I, I focus on working people through those stages. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's one of the things why I started the podcast up because my main thing at the moment is to make a live full-time like living from comedy that's one of the big goals for this year the the whole just of the podcast is to speak to people who make a living from what they love and with the gig i've changed it a little bit as well i used to run a small time sort of open mic gig but now i've changed it a bit where it's sort of like experience new acts doing 10 minutes that are good of a certain level and pay tickets nights there's a few other things i want to say i could say but i'm going to keep hidden i want to search it as a surprise but yeah these are some things that i've taken and what you said about the accountability thing is quite good because that's one of the things that i've been struggling a little bit recently i've but i looked at a youtube video where they looked at let me have a quick look for it i want to see what you think of it be one second yeah i think i think like accountability is one of the big things that people struggle especially like in life it can be lonely you might have your friends and family around but if your friends and family aren't in the same wavelength as you or don't understand what it is you're going through life can be very lonely and so that's why you need to ensure that you know that you are surrounding yourself with the right people like for me one of the big things i changed that really helped me was about maybe about four years ago you know i was doing one business, but I still felt lonely in business is running my own business. And so I came across this business academy and like, and since I joined them, like for me, it's been so good for me because, you know, I've got an amazing coach. I'm surrounding myself with other set of business owners who are really supportive and motivating. And I've been to other business academies before, but there was something different about this one because everyone treated me, they treat them like a family and they really, everyone's really, really helpful re-engaging and I think for me that's the key thing that people need to do is like find their own equivalent version um, and that could be in an academy or it could be um, finding a new group of friends you know just find surround yourself with those people that are going to be supportive motivating that are going to inspire you they're successful they're people that you can look up to because I think a lot of times what I notice is that people look down or sideways and what I mean by that is you know they'll look sideways so they'll they'll get advice from people on the same level as them and the problem with with that is people on the same level as you they don't know what it takes to go to the next level so they can't show you what to do and you get advice from people who are below you you just get poor information and a lot of people you know you'll get a manager who'll go to an assistant and say that's junior to them what do you think about this do you think that the problem with is that that assistant doesn't know what it takes to become a director or doesn't know what it means to come to the next level. So they're just going to feed you information that's not the right information. So 
we always need to be looking up and that's the key thing here and that's why i say to people like you know you'll become an environment you become a product on the environment you surround yourself in so if you're five and then over with me with all the as well she goes if your five closest friends are unsupportive negative always moaning always complaining never ambitious not successful then you become a product of that environment because your brain will incentivize you to adapt to that environment to survive but if you sign yourself with people who are successful motivating supportive they inspire you then your brain will incentivize you to become that environment yeah it's 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 it sounds common sense but it's not always seen as that and no. i've got something to ask which could be a practical example of that situation and so what i've done with the accountability thing is so i found this little thing on youtube yesterday it, it sounds civil but it's i want to learn i want to try whatever it takes to get to get things to work and i found he does he does this little um like little square well he's got it's like the eisenhower system but oh, it's yeah. all about the like you you have a pain box and a pleasure box and it talks about experiencing pain and pleasure like either now or later and he says you don't change unless the pain or the pleasure like the pain that you're going to feel now if the if the pleasure is not going to be more than the pain you feel now mm. then you're not going to be willing to change and so and he's got like but you've got to make it very intermediate so if i don't get certain tasks done i don't get to go and do this or if i um i have to get certain things done because if i don't do this but like if you make it very clear what will happen and what are the good things will come out of short term then it will help you manage yourself accountability for the for the yeah, you know, just for the short term get things going and you should mm. focus one thing at a time I mean, I haven't tried that today. I'm going to sort of plan it out for my today's today's task and see how it goes. But and also, I found I've tried a couple of accountability partners. So one of them gave some very lousy goals, and it's a bit like they're too easy. There's nothing sort of you're going to get from them. Hmm. And another one, yeah, it's so. What I've done is I just joined an accountability group. <laughs> Just simple search of a group, and I'm going to schedule a meeting with them uh, on Friday. And see how well, I think. Is. I think what I'd say is what people tend to do is they pick the wrong people when they're doing accountability. So yes, that's what it's down to you as well because if you're picking someone that's poor, then there's something in you that's chosen that person, and you're actually setting yourself up to fail. So it's coming down from internal because it's a big thing that I believe in. Your internal world is your reflection of outside world. So. If it is, if you're making poor decisions, there's something in you in terms of your own psyche that's making you make these poor decisions. So it's almost the same thing like if you're constantly dating the same kind of toxic person, it's down to you. It's not the person, it's down to you. So there's something in you where you're saying to yourself, that's only what you're worth in terms of your relationship. You're saying to yourself, that's only your, what you're worth in terms of your self-value. So people need to, when it comes to picking someone, actually ask yourself, what I would say as well, like, if you're going to pick someone for accountability, sit down and actually say, look, I've got this this person in mind, what are their strengths, weaknesses and opportunities here? You know, and actually list all the strengths of the person, all the weaknesses, and then you'll actually see, okay, and then you ask yourself, okay, what's the best case scenario 
by me working with the person asking the accountability, what's the worst case, most likely case scenario. Well, you do it that way, you will actually see, okay, yeah, this person actually has more worst case scenarios that, that are gonna be open to me than best case scenarios. So it's not a person to pick to do accountability. So, you know, just because you've been friends with someone for like 20 years, does not mean they're the best person because your best friend might not be the best person to hold you accountable because your best friend is going to influence you some ways because like you said before if your if your best friend's kind of lazy or tells you oh yeah don't 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 go on holiday on your own that's just weird but in your head you're thinking actually, i actually want to go on holiday i want to experience these cultures they're not the person to do it with because they actually said giving you limited beliefs and holding you back so people need to be clear when they're, when they're picking an accountability buddy find the best person possible and that could be, for example, if you're wanting to um, put some muscle on, find a, an accountability model if you're going to the gym who's, who's built muscle, who's got, who actually looks in good shape, is working out regularly. That's the person you want to be accountability, someone that's going to hold you. Don't find someone who's um, go to the gym once a month and say, oh, I'm going to work out with that person who has an accountability because they're not going to, you're just going to end up being blind, the blind leads the blind. So yeah. it's finding those things. Yeah, that's that's the thing. In my case at the moment, I'm not able, I, yeah. So at the moment, the main person I'm in is finding the right person. Yeah, that's, if you can't find them, then like you do, you said, then you need to go out and seek them. So you need to then think about what your passions are, your interests are, and then join those groups. It's going to be trial and error. Um, in a sense that, you know, it can take you a while. Like I, I, I join many different business academies until I find the right one that I felt, yeah, this is the right place that's for me in terms of my environment. So it might take a while for you to find that process. So then when you do find it, uh, but you have to go out and seek them. You have to go out, like I said, if you're, like I said, for, your, for you, if you want to be a comedian, find out where top comedians hang out, what their interests are. All that kind of stuff, and actually get into their their, their psyche, and then go to those places, and then make, and then introduce yourself, put yourself out there, and then you will then start making those relationships. But that's the only way to do it. Um, you have to reach out. So for me, one thing I did as well was I reached out to, you know, a lot of other coaches, and yes, yeah, some I got a lot of no's, but each time I got a no, close to a yes, then I eventually found a coach that was willing to mentor me. Um, I eventually found other people who, oh, they're willing to create like a, an accountability group with me. And that's how I did it. But I had, I got a lot of no's. People like, oh, I'm not, they didn't either apply, apply to me or so I'm not interested. But like I said, each time you get no, it brings you close to yes. So you have to keep going. Um, but and I think that's the key thing that people have. A lot of times with people is they will ask one or two people and then give up. Or they will try one group and say, it doesn't work for me. But you have to keep, keep trying error, keep going. And then you'll find the right group. And you have, you have to think like you're not doing it for one day didn't rest your life so you know yeah you know it doesn't matter how many times you fail you've got to keep going until you find the one that does work yeah there's a lot of points that i love that you made there and it i was speaking to a guy called jay ludgrove and he he helps a lot of companies with their content creation and he you know people always say with content creation you find your niche or whatever but i told him my story about what i'm going through now the podcast and he says like yeah, don't try and rush things or like you have to do things a certain day or whatever like you just let it grow like you'll find it like like things develop as you say don't try and force things just keep going on a journey keep going don't give up and eventually it will 
grow, but don't be patient effectively. Mm, yeah, that's it's, a good thing. Yeah, because it, it is a journey. And a lot of people, they have this instant, because we live in this society now, I think where everyone's an instant, they want instant success. They want instant results. And the problem with that, unless you're, you know, like, unless you're, you've, you've given certain, you've grown up in a certain environment, unless you're, you've started young, you grew up in a family of billionaires and you had certain access to things that other people didn't have, you know, best education, best people to learn from, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it can be fast track easy for you because you have, you have people open those doors for you. Um, but for a lot of other people, we don't have that. So we have to understand it's, it's a journey and we have to stop also comparing ourselves to other people and actually realizing we can't control what other people are doing or the results they're having. We can only focus on our own results. And because when we focus on other people's results, it take, distracts us from our results and we don't achieve nothing. So we have to just focus on ourselves and, think, and know, okay, well, you know, this is my journey I'm on. As long as I'm following the right process, I will get there. It doesn't matter how long I'm getting. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, like, it took the, the owner of KFC, the, the founder, he didn't become a billionaire to 60, 60 or 70s. Um, and he failed a lot of times before that. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there, as long as you get there, you know. So yeah. and then for me, in my business academy, I'm surrounded by people who are earning way much more money than me. Um, like, and it's easy to say, oh, I'm not like that person's got 60 million turn of a business. I'm not like them. And then feel like I'm not good enough. But like, okay, that's their journey. My journey is, you know, I'm making good money, yeah. growing my comp company. Um, and as long as I keep doing the right path, I will get to where I want to get to. But just to stay on that path. And I think that's where people find a lot of challenges because when they don't have that in success, they start giving up. They start feeling it's not working for them. And they don't realize, they quit when they don't realize how close they are. Yeah, that's that happens a lot. And I mean, what you said about the KFC thing, hell yeah, it's worth it. If it takes what's it called to 70 to achieve what you really want, who gives a fuck? It's fucking worth it. Like, yeah. if you, the feeling you'll get at the end will be amazing. Like, the, the, the offspring of like Mr. Colonel Saunders, they're comfortable for the rest of their lives. Isn't that fucking worth it? That's definitely worth it. Exactly. But it's all because he's stayed the journey. He realized that it doesn't matter how many times I'm failing or struggling with different things. I've got this idea. I believe in it. And as long as I keep following my process and pushing it out there, it will work. And then one day it kicked off. I think I think success is a bit like, um, <laughs> it's a bit like, like, I don't mind the Big Mac sandwich and McDonald's, right? But like success is a bit like the more difficult it is, and the more you get knocked back whilst you go and work your way towards it, the more the Big Mac becomes the tastiest thing in the world. Yeah, and I, I think it like to when I when I was coaching pickup, like you know, you might talk to ten women, and one, the nine say no, and you then speak to that final. You speak to one woman, and she says, "Yeah, I'm interested," but you had to get those no's, those nine no's, to get that that ten, the final one to, to like you. I think the same thing, like in business as well, you might give a proposal to your business idea to 100 people. 100 people say no, but you speak to 101 person and that person says yes, because you need to go through those 100 no's, get to that one person who's going to say, yeah, I actually like the idea, because from those 100 no's, you correct yourself, you realize what went, went, went well, what didn't go well, you got more confidence, more competent in your answers, how to express yourself, how to set the idea, and eventually when you got to that 101 person, you're able to then understand all the objections, all the pitfalls you had before, 
and to position yourself in a way that appeals to that person. And those hundred, those hundred people that said no to you, they're not your, they're not the right person for you. Yeah. But oh, so you learn, you learn, you learn what you do wrong in those failures, as you said. And yeah, I th and what you said there is very good as well. It's it, people seem to think they worry about others liking them, which is the wrong mindset. I think you should be thinking about are they a good fit for you? And then the mindset will shift, isn't it? Yeah, because like, not everyone is your is your right client or the right person for you, you know? And you have to, a lot of you are going to, I tend to find this a lot. If someone's going for a job interview, they go into the job interview thinking, I need to sell myself to this person and do as much as I can to get that person to like me. When actually, yes, you are selling yourself to the person, but also they're selling yourself to you. Because you have to think like, this is the right organization I want to work for for the next five or six years of my life. Do this, is it the right people who have the right values and stuff? And actually, if you're not, then getting the job is not, you're not going to be happy there. So you need to do your own due diligence to think like, are, is this person going to add value to my life? If not, then just accept the no and then move on. So you also want to be ensuring that people are adding value to your life you yeah. know and i think that's the key thing here that people a lot of people don't you know a lot of times they will go into relationships or partnerships with people that might add value to their lives and actually taken away or they'll stick with that one friend they might known for like 20 30 years but all that friend does is take take from them doesn't actually add value to their life but because they've known them from childhood they're not willing to put their own success first they put the friendship first but that friendship's not actually helping them but actually adding value to their life and that's a tough, a tough decision for you have to make like are you willing to what are you willing to do to become more successful more happiness you know are you willing to let go of friends you might have known for like 20 30 years that don't add value to your life in order to put yourself first you know and that's why it's like one of the things like um tony robbins says is that along the pathway to success or to happiness you're going to lose a lot of people along the way because those people aren't ready to go on that journey with you but you have to decide are you willing to go down that road or are you not now if you are you have to realize yeah you're gonna to have to let go of a lot of people um, and sometimes those people might come back into your life because maybe something life brings you back together again but sometimes it might not but you have to really like what's more successful what's more important to you your own success and happiness or having a friendship with someone that's negative and toxic yeah. Most, people choose, most people choose the latter, they choose a toxic, then they then complain about their life. It's like, well, it's down to you, it's down to your decisions. You know, you know what you need to do. Um, and that's what I find, I find with a lot of my clients, when I say to them, do the SWOT analysis on your friends, and they realise, wow, I've got a friend that doesn't add value to my life. They're not willing to cut, they're not willing to cut that friend out of their life. Or distance themselves from that friend. Yeah. And I said, well, that is basically like you driving a car with a leaky oil pipe because that friend is making you is, le is leaking oil for you in your life it's going to add value to you i don't know you put some when you said that about leaking oil you just put, put some image in my car of like you've seen matrix reloaded yeah where what's it called the car's going down and morpheus blows it up and the oil starts to come out that was the image that came into my head <laughs> yeah Bit of a strange image, but yeah, that's what <laughs> it's a funny analogy leaking oil. <laughs> it is, I, I think, like, 
you know, when I think about <laughs> people's lives, like I think like we are like the car and these limited beliefs, these negative thinking, these bad habits, they're all like leaking oil for us. And what it is, is that you know, we're trying to move forward, but these things are, are leaking behind us and they're leaking out all this negativity into the world from us. And obviously, because I believe in the law of manifestation, like attracts like. So we're just going to attract more negative around us until we stop and have that clarity to understand, okay, well, what's going on in our own mindset, in our own body? And understand that like, how are we feeling, how are we thinking, how are we acting? Can we then start changing things? Because you can't change things outside here. You need to change things from inside. Because like I said, it's inside is just reflection outside. So you need to figure out why it is you keep going into the same toxic relationships. Why is it you always make excuses and stop yourself from putting yourself, pushing yourself? Why is that you always fear failure? Um, why is it that you always allow that one friend to walk all over you? Why, you know, you need to start asking these questions and, th and figure out, well, why is it, you know, why is it you're putting yourself so low? You know, even in like, people, the amount of times when I'm coaching someone, I'm saying to them, like, why are you putting that person's value so much higher than yours? That could be a partner or a friend and not saying my value is just as important as theirs. A lot of people end up putting the other person's value so much more. Oh, I can't, I can't say no to her because it's going to hurt her feelings. And it's like, well, but you know, it's not making you happy, but you, I can't say no to her. And it's ah. like, well, it's funny, isn't it? You, you're, they're hurting your feelings though, aren't they? And yeah. They're not bothered by it. <laughs> But you're so afraid of hurting their feelings and your people pleasing that you're gonna put that you put your value lower, put theirs higher. You know, you're too afraid to say no, or too afraid to say yes, or oh, I or you're too afraid to receive a yes or a no because you made it about yourself when actually you're thinking no, the person's not saying no to me, they just say no to the offer I made. And it might not be no forever, it must be right now. We don't know what's going on in their life. You know, they might be unhappy, they might have had a breakup bad day, you know, whatever, that's caused them to say no. Or they might be scared. A lot of people are afraid of saying yes to things. Um, but it all comes down from like that internal clarity and awareness, which is why I said like, that's the first stage in the alchemy system because you need to have that clarity and awareness in order to be able to move forward. Yeah. One thing I have found, <laughs> I think, yeah, you've got to have firm boundaries and you've got to do things but also i feel that you shouldn't take offense to things too much like as you said like just take an easy with a lot of things don't be too oh they took a while to get back maybe they're busy as you said or like, it's, unless someone sort of does things repeatedly in a certain way that then that you have to set your boundaries but if it's like once now and then you don't know what's going in their life you know like none in, in all in all sense of the word we're all equal none of us are like a king or queen of the world well look just get on do your work do things that like, no one's more important than the other just yeah i agree with you i think a lot of people you know that's one of the things one of the things i learned when i was doing orgasm meditation was the fact that one of the principles they talk about is not taking things personal because they, they say like for example that people will take a yes or a no or rejection personally and make it mean that they're not good enough make it mean that they're unworthy all this kind of thing. And what they say is actually, you want to come from the point of, as an observer and separate yourself from that. So if someone, you ask someone for dinner and they say no, to so say, actually they're not saying no to me as a person, they're saying no to the offer of dinner. And what it means is right now, maybe that 
they're just not in the right place to go for dinner. You don't know what's going on in their life, maybe. But then let's say you ask them in a week's time, hey, would you like to go for dinner? And they say yes. So, or maybe in a month's time, yeah, they say yes. But to make it not make it, it's not, it's not about you. Take your attention off yourself and put it on another person because that's when you start building a connection. A lot of people, we always have the attention on ourselves. We always only think about ourselves. We actually think, okay, well, what's going on in the other person's life? You know, have they said anything else? Have I, have I misread something? Because maybe, did they say something to me like 10 minutes ago that they said, well, I'm going through a bad breakup. I just asked for dinner and they just probably want to be alone. They're upset. You know, what is, you know, you want to put your attention on other people. Uh, but it's never about you. This thing is never about you. And that's what I say to people. It's never, even when someone said, uh, someone's angry, it's not about you. They're angry. They're angry with something in themselves. Yeah. They're, they're, they're reflecting that on you. And you need to understand, okay, well, this person's angry, but it's not about me. I wonder what's going on for them. I, I want to say one thing as well. You see, you said that you had all these bad experiences in the, in, and all that. Would, I mean, you seem quite happy in your life now. What happened was maybe horrific and very bad. I don't know what you went through. But you're, would you be in the position you are now if that didn't happen? No, I think I think all our experiences happen for a reason. And they're there to teach us a lesson down the line, help us to grow. So, um, of course, they, were, they might have felt painful at the time and difficult. But they helped me to grow and then become the person I am today. So, um, without having walked that path, then I wouldn't be the person I am today. So um, I, I don't look back with anything, any regrets. I look at it, well, okay, what did I learn from that situation? I can then use to propel myself and also teach other people. I think that's what people need to do it, thinking that way, rather than thinking of the past as <coughs> bad. What can you learn from it? So if you had a bad relationship, what can you learn from that relationship about yourself? Um, and you can then learn from next time, um, instead of seeing it as just, bad thing that happened to you because all you when you by thinking about what you learn from it it opens you up to possibilities of new things but when you just look at the bad stuff and you just look at regret it just closes opportunities to you and then you end up closing your mind as well so i think everything happens for a hundred percent reason um and we just need to look at what we can learn from that reason now I've got a number of questions to follow on from that. What, um, so with regards to visualization and sort of law of attraction, how how do you balance sort of long-term visualization with short-term visualization? I have a vision board. So my vision board is I will have things I, have, I want to achieve short-term. I have things I want to achieve long-term. And then I also will um, have a strategic map. So I show myself as well a written format, what it is I want to achieve in the short term, my short term goals and milestones I need to reach and what I need to do long term wise, what my long term goals are. Um, and that's how I have a, a vision, I plan it out. So I have it as a vision with a vision board and I have it written down in text and strategically written down. So I'm able to then, I see it every day when I wake up in the morning when I'm working. So I'm able to then use that as a platform. And I think that's what helps me. Um, and then also I have a, a, an achievement diary 
which I use every day I, I complete an achievement, I write in my diary what I achieved, how it made me feel, what I learned, and how I reward myself. That keeps me on track. And what about the faults and what you did wrong? Faults, this is what I have that as in what I learned. So, okay. you know, so what I went well, what didn't go well, what I learned today, how it made me feel, and how I'm going to reward myself. So when I'm talking about what I went wrong, I'm learning what I learned today. Oh, I learned I didn't go well today. I could have talked more or I could have explained this. Okay, next time I will say that. Now, now one thing I've found is not everyone has a sort of a positive attitude to feedback or analysis. And what from like from our whole chat today, what you basically said with a lot of things, everything is all about problem solving and breaking things down step by step. It's all and you like. It's all about as well understanding who you are as a person. So if you have a problem with feedback, then it's somewhere along the lines that you are doubting your own self-worth. Because feedback is just there to help you grow. So there's yeah, so you usually look at why is it you find it hard to receive feedback. Um, what is that? Why what, what are you making it mean that a lot of times you might find that actually when you got feedback from a as a child from your parents. They were very critical to, towards you. They might be like, oh, you're not good enough as a child or you're not this and that. And that's where it stemmed from. So whenever you get feedback from someone, you take it as it's going to be something bad about you. And then you make it mean that you're not worthy or good enough. And I think that's where a lot of times it stems from people. Okay, because one of the things I do, so for hosting my, a lot of my nights, I get someone else to do it. And I, try, I a few of the gigs haven't gone too well. So what I do is I try and put, if, it, if the gig goes well, I leave it and it's fine. But every time a gig goes back, I do see it as a learning opportunity and I try and break it down, like see what went wrong and what went right. Because I think unless you sort of break things down and try and look at things in an analytical problem-solving point of view, you're not going to sort things out and the same thing's going to happen again and again. Yeah, and even stuff that do go well, I still break it down to the same thing. So just because something's gone well, I still break it down and say what went well, what didn't go well. What can I do better next time? Because if something's good, doesn't mean you can't improve still. As a lot of people don't realize that. So they, they say you have a strength. Just because you're strong at sales, doesn't mean you can't get better at sales. You can't learn new stuff about sales. Yeah. So you can always go to the next level. So I use it for both things. Doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, or it's gone well, hasn't gone well. I use the same thing. I analyze it, I break it down. Um, How do you sort of communicate that? Because the thing is, I, I, I know one of the gigs like two of the gigs went well but we had audiences that are very up for and they're very lively but the one that didn't go well was when the audience were some of them were a bit quiet and they weren't sort of ready to engage and effectively if i didn't sort of break things down and have a chat with them he, he would have been happy just to let things go along and not what's it called not improve oh so you mean how do you break it down to the person so yes, because... what i would what i would do instead is i'd say so when I, was, when I do events, I'm doing other people. At the end of the event, I normally will say, look, um, we are gonna have at the end of the events, like um, just uh, a simple um, connection, connection connection call at the end. So we'll sit down and we ask each other what went well, what didn't go well, what can we do next better next time. And that way, you're doing it a way that people are actually realize, okay, yeah, that didn't go well tonight. And then you actually have the input of everyone Rather than you just saying, oh, this is what I didn't get well, didn't get away. So you have their buying, their input into it. Um, and then you're able to then 
have their buy into it because they've all they've 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 identified that's going to go well, and you've also had them okay. What can we do better next time? So yeah. they are also understand okay that didn't go well. We can do this better next time. So they're, all, they're involved in the process of it. But rather, if you're just telling them this didn't go well, that then you, it feels to them that you're you're kind of like maybe criticizing or coming across as they've not been involved in that process. So I always do that way, and I found that was a much more better because people take ownership to realize I want it to be better next time. I realize okay, this way didn't go well. It's better. So if I say to someone, if someone says to me, okay, well, I ask them, what didn't go well tonight? Oh, this. Okay, what do you think we could do better next time? Then they feel oh, yeah. you're involved in the process and they're able to then have ownership of it. Okay, great. The idea you said of us we should do this better next time. How would you feel about taking that on board next time? So you know, take that as a, take that as your leadership. And the person went, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then, great, you've had their buy into it. Okay, then, it, then the next week, if, they, if they've, they've taken on that and it hasn't gone well, okay, well, look, this went well tonight. What do you think didn't go well in terms of when you're leaving? Yeah. yeah. What's you want to involve in the process? That's a good thing I'm going to try and do. It's, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing because I need, know it needed to be said, but I wasn't too sure how to say So I just said it. <laughs> and there was a bit of an off front to it and he did feel a bit funny about it and like how would you sort of repair the situation afterwards if, if, if you said that way i just you probably just need to address it and say look um how i handled it before, yeah maybe I, I didn't want to come across as, as, as if i was attacking you or as criticizing you i was just looking at how to look at ways that we can improve it and my suggestion going forward, and how do you feel about this, is that at the end of at the end of each time we've done a gig or a show, that we sit down, we have a connection call, where we just look at um, what went well, what didn't go well, and we come together to just figure out how we can then um, improve it, going you know make improvements and and actually talk about that the session. Um, and if he's genuinely interested in making it good, then he'll be he will buy into it. If he's not. Then, then you, then you know, maybe he's not maybe not the right host person to host with, because yeah, um, that's how you look at it, you know. Because someone who's generally bought into a project will want it to work, so they look at all you know suggestions, you know, they're open to suggestions and changes and looking at ways to improve it. So that's yeah. how I do it. Um, and like I said, that that's what I always found that's really worked at the end of my events, doing those connection calls. Um, could even if just they're not even that long like just five minutes ma maximum um and then you just you're just conversing about how you felt what you enjoyed tonight what you didn't enjoy tonight um and you go around each person so each person has their say and they buy into it okay and then no one feels they've been criticized yeah so you're all just saying what you saw the night I, I find yeah that's 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 a very nice way of doing it yeah I, I learned that i learned that through a meditation class i was doing where at the end of when i was helping out at the event the guy said um, we're going to do connection call tonight and i said okay and then he's like oh we all sat down at the end of the event he said, oh, then we just went around to ask each person so no one yeah and after that no one felt criticized no one felt anything wrong they just felt they came away feeling good because oh wow yeah actually I did notice that the things didn't go well tonight. I want to improve those. They enjoy that. That did work. Um, and, you know, I felt there's no one who's been blamed. If something didn't go well, there's no one who's been blamed because you're all addressing that this didn't go well. And, how, and I'll, 
And my ideas have been asked and how I think we can improve that. Um, well, that's a very good, that's, that is definitely advice that every project manager or manager needs to get. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's just like little twitches that can make a difference when you buy it, when you have the buy-in and you've all people in the process. Um, when you just come and say, oh yeah, this didn't go well tonight, it just feels like you're attacking the person. Well, I, I, first of all, I asked him, what did he think of it? And he said, it wasn't that good. And then I said, I wasn't too sure what to say afterwards. So I said, here is what I think went well, and here's what I went, think went bad. But he still took it as a big offence. I'll, I'll get a bit nervous sometimes when I try. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't know how to sort of communicate it. I like to be honest and straightforward and look at things, but people don't always take it that way. And it's, but it, it's interesting. It, it's, it's funny, the mind, how you can change little things and people <laughs> perceive it this or that. <laughs> It is. I think. I think when you do it with their buy-in, and you're just asking them in a way like, "Okay, well, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you think you can go better next time? What didn't go well? Well, you ask them that way. Um, people are more receptive to it. Um, and I also I always ask the positive first before I ask the negatives. Yeah. We ask them, "What did you enjoy about tonight? What didn't go well? Um, where do you think you know?" And what was it about the night you enjoyed? Those kind of things. And then when we go to negative stuff, and I say, okay, oh, great. Okay, what do you think didn't go well tonight? What did you not enjoy? What do you think you can improve next time? Yeah. And that way, it feels so much better to everyone. Okay, great. Like, and then I, then I even give them ownership. I say, okay, great. You've given that idea. How do you feel about taking on that idea next time? Yeah. It's um, one thing that I've also found very interesting is yeah one thing that I find a lot like the self-development and with a lot of people with Tony Robbins and all of that they never mention the, the difficulties enough Not, I have to rephrase and get into detail what I find with self-help sometimes in some of the videos I watch or some of the things that I see they don't always mention the difficulties in terms of like handling difficult people and how to still have that mindset they just mention the positive side of things rather than the challenges with it as well yeah because they don't they don't, they don't want to give everything away they want you to pay for that <laughs> of course <laughs> that's, that's the thing you give you give people enough just so they're interested that they want more they have to pay for it but how does because one thing i found interesting about self-development is that some people get addicted to it but they don't change and that's what's the issue there because they're not taking action like the people who for example the people who when i do my webinars the people who turn who are webinar junkies they turn up every webinar and try to piece it get different things but they never actually do anything so then they never buy they never actually do anything in terms of taking action and that's a difference reason is so you can go to a course listen to the course read the book if you don't go out and do action nothing changes for you doesn't matter how many times you read the book you're not taking action it's just you just all you've done is taking this information in your head and that's the difference with a lot of people is like i said one percent of people take action At the beginning of january 80 percent of people are going to achieve their targets that's 92 percent of people that will not achieve their targets so let's take action 
So that's what it comes down to, really, like action, to be honest. Um, obviously, there are other elements to it, but I think the main thing is that people don't go out and do it. You know, the amount of times when um, I'll ask my coaching clients, have you done the homework I've given you today for the next, before the next session? And I haven't done it. Then you expect to have new results. You haven't done the homework. What's the excuse? Mm, nothing really. I got lazy. Okay, well, you showed the laziness over your own success. What? So it comes down to that. You're actually the choices. And how do you balance affirmations with visualization as a whole? I think affirmations, you have to really believe in them for them to work. And a lot of people don't do affirmations correctly. So there's no point saying I'm going to be a billionaire tomorrow if you don't believe it. If you don't believe it, doesn't matter how many times you repeat it or you read it. Your, your, your conscious mind is not going to believe it. And that's what, you, that's what you're trying to convince. It's not the conscious, you're trying to convince the subconscious mind. Because if the subconscious mind is, subconscious mind is the one that activates the fight, of, fight response, that protects you, where all your fears and stuff are stored. So if you don't believe it, and that's where a lot of people fail. Um, and then you want to use the different um, elements of modalities. So if you're doing affirmations, what I suggest people do is create an affirmation that you really believe in, that you actually believe in. And so the way you can believe in it is by taking actions as well, because you're enforcing, so you're proving to yourself you are doing it. And then you also want to not only read out, but you also want to do it um, through sound, because you're basically touching on the different, so there's, there's audio, kinesthetic, so you're basically touching different senses. So it goes deeper. So when I do my affirmations, I would do it, I'll read it out. So that's visual. I'll speak it. That's audio, because when I speak it out loud, it goes back into my head, into my into my into my ears, into my head. Um, I also use movements. So I might do shakes when I'm doing it. So it catches the physical cortex of me. Um, and then I might also hear it. So I have it on, I record what I've said. So I listen to it. So when you touch on those different areas, it actually goes deep into your subconscious. But a lot of people probably will just do it on one modality, which is, um, yeah. So a lot of people just do it on one. They'll just they'll just talk. But you have to you have to base it in that way. So you have to believe it. So you can use visualization to do it, and then you have to do those things to really go deep in your subconscious, and then it will you will start to believe it. But I think a lot of times people don't use affirmations correctly and they don't use their vision boards correctly either. I think one thing, one thing I want to ask you also is like, what would you give visualization affirmations and vision boards for a child? Yeah, because I don't think there's, there's any age you can't start at. Um, obviously, when they, you're doing it from the age of the child is conscious. So... But yeah, because I, I, for example, I used to be part of a uh, of a practice called Landmark. And Landmark is really, really good. So basically Landmark, they, it's based on masculine principles, but they teach you a lot of things like, you know, stand for your word, always be on time, those kind of things. And they would do Landmark for kids from up to the age of six. And I've met some of these kids who've done the courses 
and they are so switched on, they're so articulate, and it doesn't matter what age, you know, as long as you've done, you're doing it from a conscious age, you can do it with kids. Um, because there's no, there's no, you can teach kids about boundaries, you can teach them about standing for yes or no, um, how to express your emotions, all those kind of things. And actually, I think for me that this should be taught in school, but it's not, but it should be taught in all mainstream schools because your kids will come out a whole different than they are, than they, you know, than they do now. If I knew, for example, about how to stand my yes or no, I'd be a completely different person. If I knew how to set boundaries, or how to express myself in the right way, completely, I would have a completely different person. But I think, I don't know why they don't teach in schools, why they don't think it's important. I think it's okay. more important than learning some subjects we're taught, should be, this should be essential. Do you think, yeah, I mean, if, if a kid knows what they want to do, then they're more motivated to, to work rather than like if you just tell them to get good grades and it'll result to this so you've got to say what they'll achieve so if they want to be a footballer if they get good good grades they got more opportunities or they can get in touch with they know how to use their money more so they can spend more money on a better trainer or better eating methods or better training methods yeah i think i think it's um uh it's a crucial element like if you like reason like three years ago, I learned about um, uh, money management styles, for example. I went to this course called Mirror Mindset, and they teach about how to understand your money blueprint and how you know a lot of our beliefs around money stem from our parents and from um, what we learned as society, and a lot of the stuff gets passed down into us, and so we actually think these are our own beliefs, but actually not. They're our parents' beliefs. beliefs. So let's say your parent told you money is hard to come by, then you start believing money is hard to come by. That's not your belief, it's your parents' belief because they told you that. Then you might start being really tight with your money, never enjoying it, think put it on a bank. But those are the beliefs your parents passed down to you, they're not your beliefs. And I wasn't aware of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I picked up on money from my parents. Um, that shaped me how I am with money. Um, so for example, if you saw your mum always spending money like there's no tomorrow and you don't have money but she's always having a new bag of stuff that's how you you'll be exactly the same you'll spend money because you believe that when you have money she's spent but those are beliefs that you can you and those are beliefs and behaviors you you catch from your parents not you but we end up believing them so i think like if we were to teach kids how to manage the money how to how to communicate what they want all the kind of things they can kids are trying to be different there won't be as many kids who are having problems, mental health problems, as they are. Because a lot of kids even now, they're not told to express their emotions. You know, the amount of times when I was working with men and I was trying to get men to express emotions, most men, male suicides are the highest rates ever they've ever been. And a lot of times, because most men are not told to, to express their emotions. They're not told you can cry. They're not told it's okay to be vulnerable. Because as a man, you're told you have to be masculine, you have to be this alpha male kind of thing. And that's all nonsense. All you make him do is making him bottle up emotions and he feels like I've got no avenues. Then he ends up unfortunately doing the sand thing and taking his own life. The reason why, and the reason why mental health and math issues is because it's all about expressing emotions. 
learn where you can talk, you can talk, how to express yourself. We don't teach people that. And I think that's the major thing that, you know, that's going wrong with society is that we're not teaching our kids. It's okay to, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to express your emotions. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you more of a whole, whole person. It makes you stronger. I think for yeah. me, one of the big things I did that changed me was when I was able to start being able to express my emotions. If you'd met me seven years ago, eight years ago, I did not talk about emotions, expressed emotions. But because all the work I've done to open that side up, now you know I'm happy to talk about emotions. You know, I can stay, you know, I have no issue crying for another man. I've done that plenty of times, it doesn't bother me. And that's actually made me more of a whole person. And my connections now are such more powerful and stronger because of that. Like I find I can connect to anyone, age or size, whatever, and build a strong relationship with them because I'm, I've embraced both my masculine and feminine. I think that's been a huge thing for me. So I think like, that's one thing, when I have children, it's one thing I'm gonna teach my children. You know, I'm gonna teach them life lessons. So when they finish school, they're gonna come home and get an hour's life lesson. We're gonna talk about boundaries, all those kind of things, how to set them, and that will teach them to be completely different. I think those are fundamental things that parents as well should be teaching our children, but we're not. Mm. That's, and what do you think stems from that? Like parents not actually teaching? I think it's because they don't know, they, they, don't, they don't know what they know, because they weren't taught that either. So they, they don't teach it to their children, because they know what they know. And they're still, in, you know, we're still ingrained of what we're, what we're told by society and what we've grown up in, that you don't talk about sex with children, you don't talk about this stuff, or you focus them as the mainstream education, and you might teach them religion, that's it. But you think everything else is down for them to find out. Because um, you, because you, a lot of times you hear parents say, oh, I never had no one to tell me, so my parents, I kid, my kid needs to learn the same way. But your kid will be smart if you teach them. But they don't think that way. They don't think of what they know. They think, that's how I learned. If I learned that way and it's fine for me, it's fine for them. Mm. Or I haven't got time to sit down and do it with them. Whatever, you know. So that's what you, you, you tend to find. Because we're also, we're also influenced by society a lot, by what we see in mainstream media, magazines and stuff. This is how the male or the woman looks. Like, you know, a supermodel body, that's how the average man a woman looks like um if you do this you're supposed to be, you're, you look cool like if you talk about your family your feelings you're not you're not a real man all this kind of stuff if a girl says what she wants she's like she's been too much too greedy these are all things society teaches us and yeah. that's what we get that's what we get surround ourselves with all the time so you already know what you know unfortunately so i don't blame the parents really but i think that's all they know and that's what they're all teaching you. So they don't know a better way. It's down to the new generation who are more spiritual, more enlightened to then be able to teach the new generation what's the right way. But I said, the reason why is they don't do it now is because they don't know to do it. Okay. And do you have any sort of books on like law of attraction or visualization that you'd like to recommend to people looking to learn and change the life? Uh, well, I think like a good book that people can start with. Um, hold on, let me get my 
Um, so a good book that I suggest people should get is obviously uh, the book Magic, which is done by the Secrets. It's a good book. Um, so I've got different books. So the way I say is I have like different books I tell people to read. Um, another one, a good book from both men and women is through No One Miss an Ice Guy. That's a really good book on principles. Um, I'd also say uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is a really good book. Um, for people, people who people who want to work around relationships, um, I'd also say a book called Boundaries. It's a really good book because it really helps you to understand your boundaries that you have for yourself and boundaries you have in all kinds of relationships. Um, another good book I'd recommend people to read. Uh, what is it? Uh, the Power of Positive Thinking. Um, or oh, another good one is The Interview with the Devil by Eckhart Tolle. That's a really good. I got the audio from that. I've been listening to that every day. Um, and it just basically breaks down like how we are brainwashed into believing what people's society have said about what the devil is um, and how actually the lot of the stuff is the devil is our own mindset. And our limit, limited beliefs that are holding us back. It's really, really powerful. Um, there's also The Success Principles by Jack Cranfield. Um, that's a really good book. Um, or um, Little Voice Mastery um, by Blair Singer. That's a really good book on how to master the little voice in your head. You might not think you have it, but we all have it. And that little voice is the one that's holding you back. Okay. I've also Instant, Com Influence, Instant Confidence by Paul McKenna is a really good book for confidence building. Um, there are others, but I think um, those are the kind of books I suggest people to start reading because um, they, they, they really do help in terms of mastering your confidence in manifestation. Oh, The Science of Get Rich is another good book as well. Um, that's a good book to read or listen to the audio. And that's all about manifestation, visualization, and having a better relationship with the law of attraction. And how do you like take what you know from those books and put it into actionable steps that you can put into practice? Um, so the, the way I do it um, is so not everything you're going to read from a book is I, I do what resonates with me, to be honest, and what I feel is going to add value to myself. So the stuff. That, Every book, there might be a book you read, doesn't the stuff in the book you'd like, the stuff you don't. So I deal with things that resonate with me. And I look at how I can incorporate that into my routine. So, for example, recently, um, when I was reading The Power of Now, it gave up an example of um, how to do gratitude. So I was just doing normal gratitudes and saying, like, I'm grateful for this. And that was it. But this book said, no, that's not the way, that's not the way to do gratitude. The way to do gratitude is to say, um, to go one level deeper. So I'm grateful for this because it has made me feel, has made me feel this way. Um, and 
by going a level deeper, you actually embody the gratitude. And then you can, there's another level to it as well, where you can say, um, I'm grateful for the day. This is what I'm grateful for the day. Um, how it's made me feel today, what I've learned from today, and what, um, how, how it's brought me closer to my goals, and what actions I can take tomorrow. So I created a gratitude journal. So what I've done is I looked at, when I looked at books, I think, oh, that could work in my life now. I looked at how I can incorporate it. So it's not taking a book and thinking, how can I incorporate everything in the book in my life? Because the things that are going to resonate with you, the things that aren't. So the same thing like the coaches. There's certain coaches or practices that are going to resonate with you, that aren't going to resonate with you. So you need to figure out what works best for you and then do it because there's that's the only way you're going to learn. Because you know, there's some people who love um, yoga, some people hate yoga. But you've got to find out what works for you. And I think the same with, with books. Is like When you read a book, ask yourself, okay, did that resonate with me, what they just said? If it does, or you thought, I like the sound of that, then look at how you can incorporate it in your life. Like, how can you fit into your daily structure, your routine? Um, how can you add that? So, for example, um, if you're doing affirmations, how can you do affirmations before you go to bed, when you wake up? Um, if you read a book on fitness, then you can think, well, go, you know, well, how can I fit some fitness, whether it's a run or everything, in my, in my daily routine? So that I'm actually doing this. So you just got to find what resonates with you and not think I have to do everything because then you're just going to feel overwhelmed and you're actually going to do nothing. It's going to be counterintuitive. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I need every single book there is, everything and fit in. No, that's not how it works. You've got to figure out what resonates with you and then figure out how you can incorporate it in your daily routine. Yeah. All of us are different. All of us are different sort of mindsets and have... Yeah, you've got to understand yourself, isn't it? They say that the yeah. key to understanding someone else is understanding you. Yeah, because like you said, like I've, I've the plenty of practice I've tried. And I thought, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. I get, I get it, what benefits people. So, I, for example, I used to do 12 steps. Um, and 12 steps is really, really good. Um, and I was part of different 12 steps groups. I did one for um, sex, love, and anonymous um, to work around relationships. I did one for code, codependency, because I think everyone has an element of codependency, whether they want to admit it or not, where you're codependent on someone. Um, and I realized actually at the time when I was doing it, I thought, well, code does resonate with me, but SLA had more, more resonance where, where I am right now in life. So I did SLA instead. But it doesn't mean that code wasn't wasn't right, wasn't a good practice, it just meant that it didn't resonate with me at the time. Where I am in life, so that's what I say with everything. Like you need to figure out what it is that really resonates when you look at your life. What does what appeals to your life more? And it's going to have more of a difference. Um. So and you can even use, like I said, again, you can use a SWOT analysis and just say what the strengths, the weaknesses, and opportunities for doing this practice right now. Over and then way out that way. So, but yeah, you just need to feel it. Trust your, you know, what I say to people is trust your felt sense, your body always tell you the answer because how you feel is never wrong that's 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 you can see it's a spidey sense or superpower <laughs> it is because like you know when you go into a situation let's say you go into a, a, a new a, a new event you just feel you're feeling your body yeah i don't feel comfortable here or i don't feel that this is the right environment for me that's your body telling you you shouldn't be here you know so your body is the answer you know it will tell you okay well if someone's talking to you and you feel well i don't feel what this person is saying to me is the truth you know they're saying to me oh 
that they did this in the weekend, but something doesn't feel right here. Like there's a they're lying or something, or something doesn't feel right. Your body is the thing that's telling you. It's telling you, you know. So that's what people need to listen to more into body. Okay, what do I feel here? Because that's what's going to guide you. And that's what I use right now. You know, always I use my felt sense. What how do I feel in the situation? What's coming up for me in my body? Am I feeling like real resistance? Then is resistance, where does resistance come from? Is it my resistance or is it their resistance? If I'm feeling a lot of anger in my body, is it my anger or their anger that I'm feeling? And that's why I'm saying, like, when you're able to use your felt sense, you're able to build more connections and you have more better connections with people. And that's what a lot of people, when, especially for this, when you think about manual dynamics, a lot of the times women will say, I can't feel men because he can't express emotions. He doesn't feel what she's, you know, and that's what she's after. Can, does he, is he in touch with the emotions to be able to feel the, 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 the sensations? Feel the emotions and be able to express this. That's what she's after. And that builds more connection when people can do that. Mm. Yeah. That, the Spider-Man uh, sense reference is quite a funny analogy. <laughs> it is. Uh, I think that we all have the spider sense. You know, that, that's the same thing. The spider sense is going to be the one that tells you there's danger here. You know, the spider sense is going to be the one that tells you, look, you're hungry right now. It's hive right now. You're thirsty. That's a spider <laughs> sense. That's your body telling you we need to replenish. So all the spider sense was was telling you this is a warning Spider-Man when there was danger or when he had to um, be alert by something. That's what it was. And that's the same thing. Our body sends us, okay, look, we're hungry. Or we need some water, or we need to we need to go to bed right now, or something doesn't feel right here. You know, we're we're in danger here, or being cautious. You know, and that's what it is. And that's what we all have that. The problem with a lot of us is we're not attuned to our spider sense. We're blocked off from it. Yeah, you don't, people don't trust themselves. No, they don't. So they'll take advice. They will share advice to their friends, but we won't take their own advice. So a lot of times I say to people, look, if your best friend came to you that same issue you're saying, what advice would you give them? They'd give them like five or six solutions. So you know the five or six solutions you wouldn't do it, you wouldn't do it themselves because they said, no, I don't trust myself. And because it comes down to their own, they don't trust themselves because it only comes down to their own self-worth. is low. I think you, you, you're saying that there's a, was this mental sort of, because this is following on from what you said before about sort of mental health and people not trusting self. Is this sort of like a millennial sort of thing like been happening recently in regards to mental health issues? Because No, I, th I think it's always been there. We just haven't been aware. We haven't, we haven't looked, at, uh, looked at it. Because we look at statistics, although male suicides are the highest, there's been massive issues in male suicide for the last 10, 20, 30 years. But we just, it's not been brought to the, because we've had high, the what's brought to the, the centre, we've had high profile, celebrities commit suicide and that's what's made it public eye it's always been there we've always had like high divorce rates where there's you know or people um with depression that's always been high it's just that it's brought more to the public eye that's the only difference okay yeah because it has been hot for the press same thing like i say look for example different topic but i say look knife crime has always been a massive issue in england since you go to this 50s 40s the only difference is, is that the victims got younger now and the, the press decided to, to report on it. But it was still happening. They just didn't report on it because it wasn't interesting. 
if you look at the statistics, it shows that even way before that, there was massive issues with knife problems. Before that, knife murders, but they're still reporting it. So that's all it is. It's just that the press didn't report on it. But it's, been, it's always been there. I don't think it's been any other thing. I just think like, it's just been, we've just been more consciously aware now and it's been brought to our attention that this is an issue. I don't want to sort of go into big detail, but what do you think perpetuates someone to go and do such a crime? A knife crime? I think it's a, I think there's, you know, you can look at statistics and think like, well, there's loads of things. Um, it's family environment, it's opportunities, um, it's uh, lack of good parenting, um, I think, you know, it's poverty. There's all, it's a whole thing of racial you can look at it, um, that will commit people to do these crime things. Um, and I think obviously, but at the same time, I don't want to use that excuse because in those same areas where there is all that, there are kids who are still becoming doctors, lawyers. So, um, it's just maybe the decisions that people make that will lead one kid down one road another kid the other one you know and it's yeah there's also society things so many there's a complex of things and i think it's, it's hard to just generalize and say oh it's that because you can go to other countries where they have the same issues and the kids aren't going out stabbing each other so um i just think like i do think we need on one hand like the government doesn't really understand young people um the government probably needs to put more money back into youth facilities and youth things like libraries, um, youth facilities and stuff. Then you put the money back into that, which they cut back. Um, and, but then I think more stuff needs to be done with parents because you might have a parent who's doing two jobs and they don't know what their kid's doing. You know, the kids come home from school, the parents at work still, they don't know what the kid's doing. And that's a lot of times. So, you know, that's why you find like, you know, the many times when I've gone out, and it's like 11 or 12 o'clock and I'm seeing a kid who's like six or seven out still at night. And I'm thinking, what is this kid doing out at six or seven at night with their friends? And I'm thinking, does the parents know where they're at? It's a school night as well. And I'm thinking, I was never allowed out in the street at that night time on a Monday or Thursday at six or seven, no, 12 o'clock at night on a school night. I'd be in bed at home. I'm just amazed at how many times, you know, it doesn't matter what race there are. I see it like with all different kinds of races. And I'm thinking like, that's the issue with parenting. The parents don't know. And the parents don't know the children's friends are either nowadays. So they don't know who their friends are hanging out with, their kids are hanging out with. So I think it's the whole thing where everyone needs to do more. Communities, schools, governments all need to do more to work together, but they're not. They're all just individual stuff. Yeah. Well, it's small little things, isn't it? Because like, I, I... I only I regret not seeing this film earlier, but that film Boys in the Hood is amazing. Oh yeah, it's a good film. I remember that bit with the mother, and like she used to treat Ricky really well, and he was going to do quite well, but she treated the other brother like crap. Had he had she treated them both the same and well, the other one may not have been in gangs, and then he may not have been in that situation where he was interacting that person, and so she wouldn't have lost both sons. Had yeah. she had good parenting been there she would have avoided that problem completely yeah 100 and, and i get it at the same time it is it's 
it's hard as well because I know how difficult it, well I don't I'm not a parent myself but I know how difficult it's for some parents you know when they are raising children they're, they're working jobs it, it's difficult so I know as well it is hard for them because um but then you know especially if you're a single parent it's, it's really hard to raise a child um and so and a lot of times obviously like if you're a single father you're raising a daughter then you're going to miss out on the not be able to offer her that feminine side. Same thing with a mother. She's not going to be able to offer, offer that kid the masculine thing. As much as you can try, they're not going to be able to offer that. So they're going to miss out on that aspect. doesn't mean the child's not going to have a happy home. They will. But they're going to miss out on that aspect. Um, and it's not an excuse to then say, because there are plenty of single parents, single kids from single parent families who go on to be mass successes. Um, but it does have an element in it that they don't have that role model that can then teach them um what to do and stuff um so i think it all adds up but it's, it's difficult to then to know what what is the thing to do to stop it and um, because it's been going on for like years like i said so the only difference is victor's is younger now yeah. um and that's it it's more younger now and the perpetrator is much younger but i just think like because nothing's really been done properly it's just that's going to get that situation going to get worse and also, it's also the press doesn't help because the press will have different periods when they like to report it and they don't report it. Because right now, because of COVID, they're not talking about it. It's still happening. Like, if you go to your local paper, you'll see a kid or someone got stabbed and died. But it doesn't get, it doesn't meet national news because it's not the flavor. Right now, it's COVID um, and Brexit, the more ones. But then eventually, they'll go back to knife crime again. And then be the, the public eye again. Well, it's true as well. I mean, as you said, with good parenting, it will teach kids to be more educated and not to believe what whatever to do their research and things, rather than just believe whatever's told to them. Like with the media, I come across a lot of people who assume that people that voted there's people on both sides, like the Conservative and Labour, and the people that say, "Oh, all Conservatives are this or that, or all Labour people are this and that." And it's a bit like, no, there's people from different sides. Just because someone supported another way doesn't make them a villain. Just makes them different to your point of view. And that's, yeah, it's, and that's not educating people. As you said, people being comfortable in themselves, expressing their own views. They wouldn't be saying such, like, I've I come across many instances where they say, oh, stupid conservatives or doing this and that. But, you you know, I know some people that vote conservative or vote both ways. They're not stupid of this. And had you maybe educated and be more accepting of your own views, you wouldn't say such a thing. Yeah, I think that's the issue is, you know, the fact that, um, you know, that we are, the way society is, we, we, we get taught certain things that aren't the truth. You know, and people will put information out there in a way that appeals to, to one side and we don't get the full information. And the problem with that is then we then make decisions based on not having a lot of full facts. So it's very hard to know exactly what's the right information and what's, what's not to listen to. So, you know, for, the, for example, take this food thing they're doing, you know, about children who are not getting food at school times. Yeah. The whole thing that Michael Rashford, yeah, that's a big thing. So what they didn't say is that, you know, there was a lot of, for example, like they tried to make out the Conservatives to be a bad party in that. There's a lot of lay people who voted no to 
continue the like free school meals. Don't say that. So, you know, I'm not saying either party. I'm not. I'm not a political person that way. But I'm just saying like we don't get the full information. And mm-hmm. I actually, the government's not backing it. A lot of these MPs would rather have the extra. I don't know where the money's going on, but second house allowance and stuff than help a kid who's not going to have school meals over, over half time. You know, so I, that's, why, that's why I don't listen to the media anymore because um, the media is is part of the enemy. And that's why I don't watch the news because the media is part of the enemy because the way they put, the, the way they report stuff is so wrong. And you can see it all the time, like in how they twist information, how they write bogus stories aren't true. Um, and it sells paper, you know, and I don't like, yeah, I don't like reading newspapers. I don't like watching the news anymore because it's, it's nonsense. They're teaching you. And they're teaching us the wrong things because they will, will, will show stuff that actually harms harms us instead, especially the younger generation that show stuff that harms us. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's the way, um, but what can you do? No. Um, you can only just try and educate people and say this is the, the, the diff, there's a different way. Um, but we we're watching what, yeah, you know, watching TV and news and stuff is just, yeah, it's just, it's just to scare you. Um, so, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer with it within that. It's a, it's a difficult one to say this is the right answer to do this because. Um, we get brainwashed. Even at school, we get brainwashed. I want to say the only thing I want to ask you on this, because I, I try to stay away from religion or politics, because I just want to focus on my own life. And I haven't really, if I be honest, taken the time to understand things. So I don't really know enough to form my own opinion on it. Mm. Um, but I want to say, what would you advise people to do to be informed and not just follow the herd? Because I do love YouTube. And I like. I feel that YouTube is often quite honest. Um, I think you have to do to what to, to break away from it. I think you have to be honest and just say like, um, don't watch the news that much. Only watch the news on small occasions. Like if you want to watch the news, give yourself like maybe an hour a week or so when you just watch the news. You catch up current events just to, to know what's what's relevant. Otherwise, don't sit there and watch the news every day because it's going to feed you with nonsense. Uh, read books listen to podcasts, um, go to seminars, go to like, surround yourself with people who are following the same interests as you. Like, um, you know, do things that are gonna take your mind off stuff, like exercise, do some writing, um, you know, watch your podcast, go to web, free webinars stuff. Like, that's how you wanna be, you wanna, you know, go out there and seek the right information. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff I, I learned from reading books and I was like, wow, I didn't realize. You know, for example, you know, I'm big on history, bit on topic, on massive history. So there's a lot of stuff we get told that's nonsense, you know, but it's been, it's been passed down by generations, you know. Um, you know, for example, I read, recently read, like, you know, for example, we get told that Columbus found America, found India, all these places. It's not, not that sort of nonsense, because you read the books, when he went to those places, there were civilizations that lived in there happy for years. They built massive you know, buildings and stuff. So he didn't find it. It's like me coming to your house and say, I found your house. 
but we get told that in school. So for me, it's basically like going out and reading information and actually wanting to learn and educate yourself. You know, yeah. and becoming consciously aware, that's a key thing. The law, I think there's a, there's a really good uh, Buddhist uh, priest. He says that 98% of the people are asleep. Only 2% of the world are awake. I think that's actually, well, I don't know if the statistic is correct, but I think it's true. There's a lot of people are asleep. We're stuck in this day-to-day -day life, what we're doing every day. They're not constantly aware. They don't ask questions to say, like, yeah. is this the truth? Well, it's the same with martial arts, isn't it? There's a lot of, in the 70s, 80s, there are a lot of McDojos who've kung fu and karate that didn't really work, and a lot of fake teachers. But now, um, people that follow those arts are, are brainwashed in a way, and they don't get any pressure testing to see if it works in real environment. And they use the excuse, oh, their techniques are too deadly. But if you go to an MMA, there's certain ones that work very well and certain that don't. You just got to be mindful of information. I think that's the key thing that I was learned. Now, be mindful of information you're, you're putting in your head. And you have, to, you, have to, you have to control that. And you can do that by the people you surround yourself with, by making sure you surround yourself with the right people, by making sure you're always, you're always leading, reading, learning, and that you're always asking the right questions, you're always questioning things, um, that um, you're not listening to the news, um, you know, and, and you are seeking out the positive voices that are going to inspire you, motivate you. And that's what that's why the way I can see it. Like, because yeah, we, we get a lot of this a lot of poison toxic information out there that's that's not true. Um and it's been we've been told to do things. And also they're brainwashing us, really. Like I said, society, the big thing is magazines are all brainwashing us. We have to act a certain way, be a certain type of person. And it's not true. You know, and we need to break away from this because it's not, it's poisoning us. That's why you get so many kids, girls who are like bulimic, anorexic because they believe they have to be a certain type of woman. They get told, you know, they get, read these magazines and get told, oh yeah, if, you're, if you've got a bit of weight on you, you're not a good looking woman. So, yeah. and it's toxic, you know, and that's what we need to get away from. Like we listen to the reading these magazines and listening to these stupid people telling us nonsense. Hmm. And get away from things like Love Island. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that stuff, all that reality stuff is poisonous. It's nonsense. But it portrays, a, it portrays an unrealistic world of, of life. It's not like that way. And most of it is all like the guys, you know, some of them are on steroids probably and they work out a lot, but it doesn't like develop other parts. And then the women they get, some of them have a lot of plastic and that's not real beauty. And there's all, and sometimes when you see in a magazine that's photoshopped. And also one thing that I find quite interesting is like women are doing all these operations and all of that. They shouldn't just get taught just to value themselves and their looks. They should get taught how to, the personality and their ideas and what's in here because that's always more important at the end of the day for as you say a good relationship and a good with someone and what i was amazed as well is that how many men are getting operations as well now it's hugely increased hugely increased where men are getting i heard that you know the big thing now that a lot of men are getting like fake muscles so huh? you go, yeah you can go to the you can go to a plastic surgeon and they can make make you appear you have muscles they can i don't know what they put they put fat in there that bulge your arms, gives you pecs. So it looks like you've got a, you looks like you've got a gym body. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, so you, that was amazing. I, when I heard that, though, yeah, the people who are going there and getting those implants, 
So it looks as if they've got a six pack. Always they get told you have to continue, you have to work out, but we give you the probability to have a six pack, so you don't, you know, but it costs a lot of money. So a lot of men who are going to get in that, um, getting facelifts, all this kind of stuff. So oh. I remember, remember seeing a picture last night on Twitter and it showed Kim Kardashian. I think she celebrated her 50th birthday and she said, this is what 50 looks like. And I was like, Kim, you've had boob job, you had an ass job, you've had facelifts. That's not what 50 looks like. Yeah. But she's making her tell you that she looks like that because of, that's plastic surgery. They had 50 cent as well. And they had like, this is what's, I think 50 cent turned 51. He said, this is what 51 looks like. It's like, you can, you can see in his neck. Cause one thing, one thing with plastic surgery, you can't hide it on your hands and your neck because it always show your age. What they did, but they, what they've done is this new thing where they tighten the skin around the neck to not show the wrinkles. But that's not, that, you know, these celebrities don't, that's not what look, the age looks like. That's plastic surgery. To me, you look, you're still like you're 40 or 30 when you're 51. Um, but yes, again, it, it just portrays a, a negative image to young people because they think, okay, well, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And that place, place in our self-worth and our psyche to think, well, I'm not good enough then. If I don't look at that, then I'm definitely not good enough. I think that's, that's what's damaging to people. Life isn't a competition. Life is getting the best out of yourself. Yeah, it is. But I think like, you know, I, I worry that that message is not being drilled into young people. Yeah. And all they're saying is, what they see on music videos and TV and stuff. And I think that that's where I have to be, you know? And actually, it's like, I remember like, for example, when I was a kid and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I just, yeah. So when I was a kid and when you first look at your first naughty magazine <laughs> and I actually thought relationships were like that. So when I watched the first naughty video, I thought relationships were like that. I thought that you can just grab a girl and do it. <laughs> you know, because I thought, I thought that's how, you know, my thing was, okay, that's, how, and then I realized, okay, that's not true. That's not how relationships are. You can't just do that to it. What you see the women and the men doing videos, it's not what happens in relationships, you know? So, but I didn't realize that. So all that really brainwashed me. And, you know, obviously, because I, I read a statistic that how they're saying, like, the amount of people or young people who are looking, boys and girls are looking at, Naughty magazines and stuff is risen hugely uh, because of the access to it. Because you can get in your phone, your tablet, everywhere. So it's, it's dramatically risen, um, and so and that's also warping people's mindsets of relationships because they're going and thinking this is what partners should do, shouldn't do. Because I've seen it now, and it's not real. <laughs> I, think I think that's dangerous again because it warps you. It gives you this false illusion of what relationship is. It's not. The same yeah. thing like I'd say with Instagram. If you look at Instagram, Instagram makes it as if like if you're a celebrity, life's amazing. Or if you're not a celebrity, you're, you're some people, they, look, they have an amazing life. And I know if I've got friends of mine who are in big Instagram accounts and every, every photo they do is as if they have, they look at like some expensive restaurant, they've gone on some expensive holiday, they've read their nice clothes. And I know their life and that's not their life. But yeah, they get loads of followers and likes because they show, oh, they'll put a place, Ibiza again, 
or they say, oh, at this exclusive cocktail restaurant bar. And I'm like, you don't go there every time. You've been there once in like the last year, but you make it look as if you go there all the time. So you give that, it gives that illusion of this lifestyle and it's not true. But so the problem is that's what you can't really tell on Instagram now. Is that real? Is it true? Yeah, well, look at Dan Bazillion. He's now in debt and he used to put this idea that I'm a big playboy and I get laid all the time and this is the life to live. But now he's in massive debt and he wasn't as successful poker player as he claimed that and looks like his the truths about him are coming out. Well, you wouldn't think at the time, you think, oh, you look at his life and think, oh, I wish I had his life. Or I wish I had, I used to, yeah, and you feel, oh, I wish I was with that girl. My life's not good enough. But you actually don't know the real the story behind Instagram of how, you know, what that yeah. person's really life living like. Because anyone, anyone can do that. You, you can go now, dress nicely, go to a nice cocktail bar and say, I go to this cocktail bar all the time. Or you see this amount of people who walk around with a selfish bag. They haven't been selfish in ages, but you have that, they have the bag and they have other stuff in it to get the illusion they've won selfridges. Yeah. I see that all the time. I'm thinking like, do you get so selfish? Oh, no. Nah, when I see my friend, oh, did you just go selfish? No, no, no. I went, I was just at H&M. Why have you got a selfish bag up with you? <laughs> we just hear that illusion they've gone selfridges. Yeah, I bet some of them, you know, like if they go to if they go to Selfridges, some of the girls are like, well, I can't afford some of this, but right, uh, you, lovely lady, if I pay you a fiver, could you let me pretend that this bag is mine and I come here <laughs> all the time? <laughs> People do that all the time. They want to that illusion that they're walking around with a Selfridge or Gucci bag um, to make it look like they just bought something Gucci when they haven't. They're just using an old bag they, they've kept. And they've kept in good condition to make it look as if that's the brand new purchase bag. So <laughs> in that world, it's all about image, really, that people are thinking, and I want to look at as if I'm doing this all the time or going to this. You know, I've got I've got friends who go to Ibiza every year. That's the only place I go on holiday, Ibiza every year. And they only do it for Instagram, just to go on Instagram and send photos up to show that Ibiza. And I'm like, you know the other parts of islands if you want to go to an island that are cheaper. Just as good. They're interested. There's, I don't, I don't see a holiday just going to a beach for is really a holiday. A holiday should be an experience where you learn something. Like if you work be. in a nine to five job, yeah, and you'll get yeah exactly, and you're getting really pissed off and you get miserable and all oh, you're laying your back for a week. By a week, you've enjoyed yourself, but then you have to go back to the shit life you lived before. That's not a real holiday. I know, but it should be. But people are so hooked on this snapchat instagram lifestyle that all they care about is doing it for the gram and what followers and clicks are going to get from it and then become you know, they want to be the youtuber that's got a thousand people watching the youtube channel or the instagrammer or the, or the snapchat well i don't know the other one there's another one that's um come out a video platform that's quite big i can't the name of it um that people are, are doing now as well so that's what they want tiktok that's it tiktok yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, that's it. TikTok, yeah. That's the one. Um, I've never used it, but yeah, everyone's on that, doing their videos and stuff. They want to be the massive TikToker. So that's what they care about nowadays, unfortunately. That's what, that's what society is. It's basically, you know, who, you know, can you make it as if you've got this amazing lifestyle? It's... You know, I, remember, I remember, like, um, when I was... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I remember like uh, 
years ago. Um, so I was I went out to Mahiki in a, in Piccadilly Circus, and I was with the so one of my friends he lives he lives in a council flat. So at at this Piccadilly Circus, we were at this table, and there was um the table next to us is these guys who had um um were had bought the big champagne bottles. They were spending loads of money. We were like, okay, um, they spend loads of money. So we, we assumed oh, they must have a really nice lifestyle. What we were amazed is, is that when we went back to our house, must have been around two or three in the morning. So on his, on his, my friend's block, is one of those kind of estates where it's got like one block and then it opens up and there's another block on the other side that are attached. Two of those guys, from that party who with the champagne live in the same state. And we were like, wow, we thought they'd have mansions and stuff because of how much, how much money they're spending. But it was this illusion that, you know, they used, they had some money, but their lifestyle, they're probably using the credit cards to pay for that. Which a lot of people do. You get a credit card, use that, as long as you know you can pay off the minimum thing, but it looks as if you're spending loads of money. Yeah, just get all the happiness for five seconds of looking cool. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They live for the oh, I've got that girl's number because she thinks I've got the champagne, and that's enough. I just want to say, yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you in the podcast. Yeah, it's been a pleasure too. Thanks for having me on. I just want to say there's only a couple of things I want to ask. Is the question I want to ask is what advice would you give to your younger self? And like um like just, just things you want to plug, really. My younger self. Um, I think what, what I say to my younger self is, um, do things personally. So um, it's never about you. So if someone's angry or says no to you, it's not about you. Don't think personally. Um, understand what your boundaries are and be able to communicate that to yourself and other people and stick to your boundaries and don't let people walk over your boundaries. Um, third one, I'd say know what you want in life. So actually sit down and actually ask yourself, what do I design life? What's important to me? What are my needs? Because if you don't know yourself, which I didn't know for a long time, then you can't communicate to other people. And you can't expect people to be mind readers to know what, what you want and give it to you. Um, always be learning, you know, whether it's reading books, podcasts, going to seminars, learn new stuff and keep upskilling yourself and then take action you know don't don't allow perfectionist to stop you because that's an illusion there's nothing there's nothing about perfect go out there and take actions the only way you're going to grow and develop yourself by taking action so make sure you're out there taking actions and you're, and you're growing yourself um and and that's the uh yeah that's the key thing um plugs so i think the only plugs i have is um i'm doing a free webinar this thursday called finally break free from um your lack of confidence um so you can get the details from that um so you find me on facebook at wahomi gitonga coaching or instagram at wahomi gitonga coaching you can get your free ticket to that webinar this thursday at 7 p.m um and you can also find me on my website, um, Um as a website as well. So I just we said before, just before I, I specialize in helping people to master the confidence to increase their income. So 
if you need help on our mindsets, relationships, confidence, taking action, motivation, moving past blocks, then just get in touch with me and then we can talk about how we can help you further. Um, otherwise, yeah, that's that's really all I'd want to plug. Yeah, I just want to say, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. And could you please send me like your social media handle so I can advertise it? And could you sure. also mention those books as well that you mentioned so I can add them as well? Sure, I'll do that, yeah. But yeah, best of luck with everything. And I'm going to publish this podcast within, I think, a week or two. And I'll Perfect, see you. no problem. All right. And uh, take care, my friend. Easy. Thanks, mate. All right. Bye. Well, that was Wahome. I hope he provide insightful advice in order for you to visualize and enact what you want. Deal with sort of limiting beliefs you've had before. And once again, if you've liked the episode, please leave a review on iTunes. And I'll see you at the next episode.